1: Number two, Jeff Cambridge Show, ninety-three-three, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV on a Balls McWednesday, if you will. It's actually kind of a libation. It's Friday for us. I've reminded you throughout the show today in the first hour, I'll do it again here this hour, taking a couple days off. I'm gonna be off tomorrow. going to be off on uh, Friday as well. But hey, we're here right now. And coming up, we'll do in a little bit a little solving for the future from our friends at ISF. Talk about Florida State's continued efforts to solve for the future. I would I would guess that uh, in the next, I don't know, 48 hours or so, you're going to see more solving for the future from Florida State, as I do think more names committing to Florida State or transferring to Florida State or staying here at Florida State when we talk about roster retention is going to be the norm. It's just going to be the norm, and um, it's, it's cool. We had a lot of questions in the last, I guess, three days, uh, even dating back some to, to late last week. About what happened, and and we had a question yesterday on Seminole Headlines that I attempted to answer with this, about how suddenly Florida State went from being in a a decent position, maybe somewhat tenuous position financially, to be able to build your roster, reshape your roster, retain players on your roster from a collective standpoint, from an NIL standpoint, to being in a place of uh, strength. And 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 I didn't want to get too into the details about that. I know a lot of those details. Um, I know what's what now with the battles in doing really good work. Uh, and and all that matters is that uh, it is a, a, a aggressive collective that cares deeply about Florida State's success. And the evidence is all you really need to know. And frankly, I I just it could not have happened at a better time because you're talking about the. The proof on the field showing that Mike can coach and that Mike has flipped the culture and that the staff has done a great job in developing players and uh, preparing players to have success and then their buy-in and all that hard work that we've documented paid off in the form of a 9-3 and season. But at the end of a season like that, you have to take the next step. You have to be able to ensure that you're going to continue to grow. So the emergence of that group and their successes and their efforts could not have come at a better time because now you're going to see on the back end of this. This is all kind of the continuation of a a really big turnaround for Florida State. More and more people who had not been considering players and families and all of that, coaches throughout high schools, throughout all over the Southeast, who maybe hadn't really thought that Florida State had turned the corner or was still unsure. Now you're seeing that there's overwhelming evidence. So it's just going to get easier and easier for kids to say, yeah, that's an option. Not only is it an option, it's my best option. And you saw that with the tight end uh, that Florida State brought in and we talked about yesterday Uh, there's there's more of that to come guys so just continue to check at warchant.com and uh, follow the on three twitter feed and all that other stuff those names will continue to happen i am now more intrigued we talk about this i think collectively as florida state fans every time we get together more and more i'm just more intrigued every day about how soon we'll know something with jared verse and i'll bring this up tom and maybe it doesn't happen i mean he's Clearly playing out the process as one would if you are potentially, potentially a first-round draft pick. I don't know that he would be, but he's potentially, certainly. Um, he's the only player on the team that you would say that about. There's no other Florida State player that you think is going to go anywhere near the first round, frankly, uh right now. Doesn't it seem to you? I'm just I'm, you know, kind of inferential learning here, just taking a look at uh, you know, the the evidence that we have on display here. Doesn't it seem to you that if you tell people you're going to play in the freaking Cheez-It Bowl, mm-hmm. that you must be coming back? I mean, why, why well, would you consider ever to play in the Cheez-It Bowl if you were going to declare?
0: Well, there's only, you know, a couple of reasons that you play in the Cheez-It Bowl. One, you believe there's more work to be done in order to fortify your film. But that gets kind of shot down when Oklahoma's two starting tackles are, are out of the game. Correct. And then the other would be that you're seriously considering coming back. I, I suppose the third option is, is genuine and awesome in nature, which is, I don't want to, I want another chance to play with my, my guys. I want a chance yeah. to play with this group. And you know, you that sentiment was all over the practice fields. I didn't go to the second round of practices this past weekend, but that first round I did. And uh, you could sense that the guys didn't want to leave. Like it's, it's that class i don't know if it was for you in middle school or high school or whatever but i had a couple of experiences you know where it's senioritis yeah but you don't want to leave cuz you know it's going to change forever and you could feel that going on with this group there are some teams and we've covered such teams where guys come here to do what they're going to do and then they're gone and they've made a couple of friendships along the way and that's great whoop de doo this one this group had something different to him and and that's where at least from a fan's perspective, you know, in two weeks, we're going to be down there doing a show in Orlando on Wednesday, more details to come. Uh, And then on Thursday is obviously the day of the game. We'll have coverage for you here on War Chant TV, and that'll be all great and fun. But the thing I'd say is that, look, embrace this group for as long as you possibly can, which is the one more game against Oklahoma, because the dynamics of this team have to change year over year. The players are doing it themselves. Why is Jamie Robinson playing in this game? Like, what more could he do for his draft stock against Oklahoma in the cheez Bowl than he's already done in the last couple of years? I would think he's going to go. But why would you play another game? And why would Jared Verse do the same if the two starting tackles are out? I think it, it might actually be evidence that they just love the hell out of each other and they, they don't want it to be over. And so they're, they're going to try one more go at it together.
1: I I like that, Tom. I just, I can't imagine that if you are a potential agent for one of those players or somebody who just has their well-being in mind and um, understanding that the team dynamic is such that it is a brotherhood. And I've been a part of locker rooms. I still miss my high school locker room. I still miss a lot of those individuals. I had a trip down memory lane the other day driving down Thomasville Road out of nowhere, to give you an example, the strong pull of the brotherhood of the locker room, right? I was driving down the road, mind-wandering, thinking about people, times, places, things, events. And I thought about a particular player that I played with that I haven't thought about in years and a funny day at practice and and an eruption of laughter in that locker room between guys that had really sacrificed on a terrible team the year before, and now we're playing for a really good team that next year. And we didn't wanna leave that, I agree with you. It's like, I knew as we were getting towards the end of that year that a very special time was passing. And here I am thinking about it all these years later. So you're right, but I I do know there's a world of difference between that and also having an opportunity to go make a very lucrative living playing this game, no matter the love you have and the passion you have to play football with that current group. If that is gonna be your chosen career, and you have to make decisions that are best suited for you to get the most out of that opportunity financially and otherwise. And playing in the cheese bowl ain't it. And I know that somebody would say, well, listen, what happened to loyalty and all that? Yeah, listen, it's not about that. It really isn't. It's uh, it, There are times you've got to shut that down and think about it as a business. And in those cases, when that's your livelihood, if you, if that's what you have to offer, which is your physical tools then you have to protect those things. So I, I don't know, man. I I feel like those are indicators they are coming back. Maybe even Jamie Robinson. I just, it's hard for me to imagine that you would play in an exhibition game against a six and six team that doesn't have their full allotment of players. It, it's just surprising to me. If it's real, it's great.
0: I, that's awesome. It speaks even more to what you're talking about, but goodness gracious. Well, no, the thing I'd say, though, I agree with you. You need to cut it off and think about what's next. Not everybody does. Not, I mean, so there, there are countless examples of guys playing in even New Year's six bowl games that aren't a college football playoff game in the playoff era. Yeah, you know they get hurt or they don't. Jake Butt is an example from Michigan. Jalen Smith, mm-hmm. uh, again, Notre Dame. He set his career back and his professional, you know, aspirations back to play in a Fiesta Bowl. What does it matter if it's the Fiesta Bowl or the Cheesy Bowl? It's not neither are a playoff game. It shouldn't matter in terms of. I agree with your with your wallet. Yeah, but it speaks to in those situations. I think. I mean, Jake Butt had nothing more to prove against Florida State. And That's it cost pretty. him dearly. He's in a broadcast booth because he played, but he did it. Is my point. So yeah. that tell that tells you that he felt a poll. I, I, look, I'm not judging whether it's dumb or not. I'm just saying that yeah. they do that that in good cultures, winning cultures, groups of guys decide. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is the most important thing to me. And time. it's an
1: unbelievable poll. I don't want to poo-poo that. I don't believe me. I get that. I, I really do. I just I've never. I don't know. I, the way the game has shifted. It's not that people have less passion for their teammates and less concern over wins and losses than we did back in the 80s or 90s. No, no, I'm not trying to say that. It's just that there is so much to be lost financially, and you've worked so hard to put yourself in a position that incredibly few people have ever had a position to be in. I just can't fathom. It doesn't say anything negative about you if you decide not to play. You know, I know there are a lot of old guys out there, oh, what kind of teammate, what kind of – no, I mean, that's nonsense. It doesn't say anything negative about you. These are exhibition games. Yeah, uh, I
0: agree. You, you know, they, they are the exhibition games. But I mean, again, look, I'm not trying to argue for playing because I agree. I think that ar- that point is archaic. If you have an opportunity. Right. Not show up to your desk job for the next week. And you so that you can up- make gazillions of dollars. <laughs> right. Right. All you got to do is not show up to your cubicle and then yeah. you're going to get a corner office and yeah. you're going to be making 500 grand a year. But you have to stay home for two weeks. Like, who the hell is going to the cubicle for the next two weeks? All you got to do is not get in a car wreck. You know, all you got to do is not show up late. But if you don't show up at all, that's actually fine. Just pick one. Like, who the hell is going to risk there being a backup on the turnpike so that they don't make their five hundred grand? So, like, I get it. I get it. But guys, do it. And they, and they make the decision, and the, the line gets blurred for me sometimes because think about it from even like Jermaine Johnson's perspective last year. He has a monster game against Miami. It's in November. The season's pretty much over. That team's not going anywhere. He could have called it quits then. Nobody – it, it would have been a talking point for a week, and he was still would have been drafted in the first round. So, like, these guys all have lines where they say, I'm going to continue to push forward. Because if, if Jermaine had said, I'm shutting it down for the rest of the year, after the Miami game, he makes that stop on fourth down or third down to, to force a fourth and two. And, and they punt. We went on fourth and 14. Like, would you have blamed Jermaine in that moment saying, I've done what I've come here to do? Can't wait to coach up my teammates for the next two weeks. Like you and I, I don't think would have said, eh, I mean, that's that's a smart decision. Jermaine, job well done. You've advanced our program. Things are more possible here. But guys decide to go beyond, I think, at word, yeah. what is reasonable because they're, the bond is stronger sometimes than what is reasonable.
1: Well, and that's, again, we're going to do this in a minute when we talk about uh, solving for the future. Uh, we're we're going to stay right here in this subject matter of Florida State's roster and what it looks like and Jordan Travis and all these other things. But, I mean, I do think when you sign up for a regular season and those are regular season games that are going to dictate, you know, um what kind of campaign you have as opposed to an exhibition bowl game weeks after the end of the season that is kind of just made up for corporate giants to make money. I, I, I I don't know. It's, 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 I, yes, there are different lines. I do think it's a little bit, the impetus to
0: play a regular season game is a little greater. Um, That's interesting. See, I take this to its logical conclusion, which is if you're the player and you do what is necessary to handle. So,
1: but then you're going to get into questions of, do you shut it down after week three, shut it down after week four? No,
0: because I finally gotten paid.
1: I'm saying, what's the date? What's the time where you decide to shut it down? Like, if you decided, I, I have a really good game against LSU next year if I'm Jared Verse, and I, let's say I have a projected tackle to go pro, and I dominate him, do I just say, okay, well, that's it, guys. I showed you I could, I could perform against an elite tackle. I'm not playing anymore.
0: You wouldn't at that point because you have actually gotten the payoff. There is nothing. You're not withholding your services to make, you know, billions of dollars. You've made your millions to get to the NFL level. Well, then at that point, you would leave now, because there's you're saying, like,
1: I'm saying that a regular season, compiling statistics over the course of a regular season over a lot of games that count. Yeah. If you commit to that, you commit to that, everybody would have a cutoff if they were being gauged by the NFL and they had advisors, they would say, you've done enough week six, week four, week one, week seven. Like, that's... No, I don't think players are going to do that. Players will take bowl games off because those are nonsense exhibition games. They don't count for anything. Unless it's a playoff game, I think almost everybody would play in a playoff game. Um, regular seasons are more important than a cheese at bowl is all I'm getting at. I don't think you would shut it down. I don't think Jermaine would. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's a weird conversation. I don't know that we can solve it. You're right. Everybody has a different line. Yeah. I, I do think I would have been a little pissed at Jermaine if he would shut it down after the Miami game. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. I would have understood it logically where you're going. I would have been like, oh, all right, that kind of sucks, man. You signed up for the regular season. Let's go. What are we doing here? You didn't tell me, I'll come play for you for four games. <laughs> I didn't get to start last year at Georgia. I'll start these four games and kick ass.
0: That's fair, but I'll, I'm saying that that's where I think the conversation is is going. Unless yeah. NIL is so robust that it's taken care of, and these kids Well, are, uh, yeah, well, you're, you're right about that. Maybe there's a vesting bonus for playing in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, this <laughs> is where this is
1: all going. You're right, professional football. You're right. You're absolutely right. Chef Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant Every time, or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com. time we bring in our friends and collaborators at isf thank you isf coming up on the end of the year this has been a great partnership you guys hear me talk about isf and our segment is of course solve solving for the future i guess i should say solving the future for them they have been doing that for over 40 years they understand that uh, hey look man state government and All that stuff can be uh, a convoluted mess, but you have goals and visions and you want to do amazing things. And they're an IT strategy firm. They can help you do that and they can help cut through the red tape and they can also enhance your technology to make it far more efficient. They also listen to you and they collaborate with you as opposed to just telling you what their idea is. And that's what you want. You want a collaborator. You want somebody to work with you. After all, it's your vision. It's your goal that you're trying to achieve. And they've done it at ISF. Uh, well, over 1500 projects across the country, they're located right here in Tallahassee but they've done 80 85 unique clients I think I read the other day and um, I know I tell you about the number of people they've worked with throughout 40 different states so ISF is your ticket there and uh, we thank them for being great partners of the Jeff Cameron show. We've in a in a way been actively solving uh, for the future here at uh, Florida State within the Florida State football program uh, for for a couple weeks now. Really, you go back to uh, the end of the season, the win over Florida, and then obviously the all eyes turn towards what's the bowl game going to be. But in the interim, you know where's it going to be played? Who's the opponent going to be? But you know what? what will be now the catalyst for even further growth, right? The nine and three season, but the transfer portal really became the, the greatest focus. And Tom, it really hasn't changed at all. I mean, every day the news is good. And maybe, uh, maybe later this week, we're taking the next two days off uh, and, and kind of catching up with our family and, and doing that stuff as uh, kids are getting out of school and doing that, but we'll have an eye closely on that portal and what Florida state's doing. And the updates won't stop uh, if we have to, shoot a video or do a podcast or whatever based on Florida State successes, we will. Um, And I suspect that it will continue. You know, the more we dive into the possibility of Florida State finishing strong within the portal and also within National Signing Day, the recruiting rankings for the high school kids, I think Florida State's going to end on a real high note. They are continuing to solve for the future in the greatest of ways by bringing in great players and retaining assets. That's just, that's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, you know, looking at the next year and, you know, you can't you can't overstate how big of a a announcement Jordan Travis return was for all of these dominoes to fall, because this is a first year with Mike Norvell in Tallahassee where he could turn on his own Florida State tape to prove to kids across the country as high school kids or transfer portal assets, potentially how they can fit into this offense with you know, Jordan Travis at the helm and Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman and Pokey and Trey Benson, you could say, here it is. I've built it here now. This is not something I'm aspiring to do. This is something that has happened. Jordan Travis returning for one more year helps getting, you know, a rental like Jaheim Bell or a potential prospect like a Buyers on the offensive line or Morlock. But I find what what will be interesting this upcoming season is when you look at that slate, there are a lot of easy Ws for FSU as currently constructed, where it doesn't even matter how the defense is going to play. If you get to 35, 40 points, which they should a lot next year, you're going to win these football games over the Virginia Techs and the Dukes of the world and Syracuse. Well, here's the thing: next year, in order to solve for the future and beyond, when you get in those situations, there is no need to leave Jordan Travis in for one drive too many. Once they've done their job on offense you get the young pups in, whether that's Tate Rodemaker or A.J. Duffy, whoever wins that job out of spring practice as the primary backup, because you've got to prove to the future recruits 2024 and the next wave of the transfer portal that this isn't a Jordan Travis deal at Florida State. This is not tied to Jordan Travis being the quarterback in this offense. This can be done with multiple quarterbacks. So it's funny. Like, I'm already signing off and saying that this offense in 2023 is going to be top 10. How could it not be? As long as you get another guard or two, you're in position to be an elite offense in college football. But the next part of the equation to solve for the distant future here is now that Jordan's in his final season, short of wanting to run up stats for him to maybe win uh, a Maxwell or be, in the, be a finalist for a Maxwell or a Heisman or first-team All-ACC, you've got to put, in these games that are very easy Ws, your backup quarterback in there, to prove that this is a Mike Norvell solution for the future. This is not a Jordan Travis short-term patch fix because he's a uniquely gifted player. And I think that's part of the challenge for next year is when do we pull 13 in order to make sure that the kids that are coming in say, Oh yeah, this is all about Mike. He's a great player. Jordan is, but this is about Mike more than anything else.
1: It's going to be an interesting question. And I suppose problem to solve because I do think Mike's offense translates across a lot of different types of players at the quarterback position, but we do know that it's an offense that is on, you know, when you play video games, if a player gets hot, You know, they'll light up like in Madden. I forget what it's called. My kids always bring this up. You know, like if if you're playing with Bosa off the edge and he gets a sack, he lights up red or whatever. And then all of a sudden you can't block him. It's really annoying. You're like, oh, great. He's on fire. I can't I can't stop him. I guess there's just nothing we can do, which is really annoying. That's Mike's offense with Jordan Travis, because they're going to run the ball with anybody at quarterback. They're going to run the ball successfully with anybody at quarterback. But it is enhanced greatly by the respect defenses have to have for Jordan Travis's legs. And Jordan didn't have to run in a ton of games this year. He didn't run hardly at all. And yet they knew he could. And they always had to respect that. And that enhances Florida State's overall rushing attack. So when we move on from Jordan, and we're getting out over our skis here because we've got a whole full year with Jordan next season, and it's going to be great, and we're going to have to enjoy it. But when we move on from Jordan, now, it's not as if the backup quarterbacks, plural, are stiffs and can't move. They are athletic enough to make a defense consider uh, that they could keep the ball and change the math. And that's important. I don't think he will ever really recruit a guy who can't at least hold it, keep it, run it. You know what I mean? I I think he's going to have to have that in his office. He's going to want that in his office. And then obviously, he's gotten a glimpse of what it looks like if that player happens to be a plus, plus, plus runner. Um, so you know the way he recruits from this point forward will probably be be to some degree forever changed because he's now gotten an idea of, oh well, I already loved my offense, I already loved the concepts we were run centric it opens everything else up for us. But when I have a guy that can really motor, defenses are screwed,
0: yeah, and I would say that the Florida game to me is kind of an unlocking for next year I think for all parties involved you know for Mike Norvell to see that Jordan is willing for Jordan to be willing to put the team on his back that night and to know that he'll be okay like the the thing that was so impressive to me about Jordan this year we all talk early on about how he's able to throw the football for first downs like the questions you had about those throws he needs to make all right check that box that's a September thing The November detail that I learned about Jordan and where I thought, oh, okay, this has got a real chance. Think about how he avoided contact against Florida, not just when he's running for his life and breaking four tackles on that magical run, but then what does he do when he's full speed down the field? He's sliding, he's dipping, he's dodging, he's looking like Neo in the Matrix, just trying to avoid getting squared up on in the open field. Earlier in that game, there are a couple of runs in the first quarter where he's coming towards the FSU sideline. He ducks out of bounds. He doesn't want the contact. So he's blending the speed, the elusiveness, and the smarts for durability purposes to make it a more a higher likelihood that he's going to be yes. fresh and ready to go and able to play and not dinged up. So I just like how he gets smarter and smarter as his career has gone on in all facets of what he does. He's become a very, very smart football player. And I think what's really fun about this for the future is you're right, if I'm a recruit or a, a parent or a coach of a recruit, That's a quarterback that can really run and has some potential. Oh, yeah. Throwing the football. I look at the development of Jordan Travis at Florida State, and I say, if you really want to round your game, son, to have a chance to play on Sundays, go play for that dude. Look at what he's done with a runner and turning that dude into a real quarterback. This is where you should go. And I think they're going to get those phone calls from the other side, meaning the recruit's going to call us, and they might not have before Jordan Travis, but they will now. Somebody asked yesterday
1: on the uh, Headlines, like, what's the path for Jordan Travis to win a Heisman? And we were talking about, and, and the, the, the root of the question, in essence, was could he, because this is a run-first team. You know, Jordan threw, he, as good as he was this year and as efficient as he was, he threw for less than 3,000 yards. So it's, you know, most of the time when a guy wins a Heisman, you're seeing absurd numbers etching towards 4,500 yards, you know, something like that. You know, you're seeing these numbers like Jameis Winston had or Joe Burrow had or even Caleb Williams this year where they're throwing for 380 yards a game, you know, and then they're adding some rushing yardage too because they're mobile. Jordan didn't have to do that. We didn't need him to do that. In fact, we preferred he not do that. You know, he's still completing close to 70% of his passes throughout stretches of the year. And he could run, and occasionally he did have huge games on the ground, but a lot of times he didn't do any of that. And Florida State didn't – they don't run at a breakneck speed either. Florida State does not run a gazillion plays. So he's not going to get the numbers he needs in order to win the Heisman. But I would say this about that as we continue to look at the future and try to solve for it with our friends at ISF. I would say that there's one more step for Jordan Travis to take. He made a monumental leap into the, the, the actual role of quarterback this year, as you just alluded to, Tom. He went from, you know, I was asking all the questions last year. I was probably the most vocal of all the guys on the staff because I knew that for Florida State to be great, and I want them to be great, he's got to make big boy throws. He's got to throw in the middle of the football field. He's got to throw when they know you're going to throw. He's got to throw on obvious passing downs when they don't have leverage. So it's not the off-platform throws. We knew he had some of those when he bought time and he made people miss and he got out of the pocket. I needed him to hit that back foot, fire with good technique into tight windows in the middle of the football field, which opens up the rest of the football field. I knew he could throw the deep ball down the sideline. I needed to see the square in on time. I needed to see the slant. I needed to see the hitch. I needed to see all that stuff, right? Well, we got... Uh, the best version of Jordan Travis we could have ever envisioned. It was unbelievable how good he was, but he's still not fully realized because if he's going to play on Sundays and he's going to continue to improve his game and he can, I'm done doubting Jordan Travis. I've already said that I'm done doubting. I'm not going to think he's done. I think he can get better. And where can he get better? Anticipatory throws. And why do I think that'll happen? Because he has a complete understanding of the offense. And moreover, not only did he prove he had a complete understanding of the offense this year, guess what else happened? He developed trust. So to make anticipatory throws, you better trust that the receivers are going to be where they're supposed to be or that on option routes, they see what you see and they know their cues. They know what their assignment is based on that alignment, where the safety is inside the hashouts, all that stuff, right? That is timing. That is rhythm. That is trust with a capital T, you got to know. I know Johnny Wilson knows where to be. He sees what I see pre-snap. I'm going to throw it here now. I'm going to go ahead and lead him and let him run after the catch. I'm going to hit Micah here because I know he knows to sit down. Let's sit down against this zone right here. And I'm going to, the ball's coming out now. If he does that, his passing yards per game will go up regardless if they run it at the same pace they did this year. If he does that, guys will have more opportunities to run after the catch than they did this year. He wasn't bad by any means, but it is the weakest part of his game is that he's still not – he is a see-it-and-throw-it guy still to, to a large extent. Now, he's pre-snapped better than ever before, so that's good. And We know that, Tom, because we you and I talked about that. But he is still kind of a see-it-and-throw-it guy. So when we get to that point where you have total trust that you're going to be protected by the offensive line, that's what this year was about, that you have a running game. That's what this year was about, that you have receivers you can believe in and that you have a rapport with, and that, you know, get the offense and what their choices are. Then it develops And this year that happened as well. So I, I think that in that way he can improve statistically.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. There was early in the season a propensity to bail from the pocket, even when there was time and you could understand why that was the case. Mm-hmm. Because for the entirety of his career, he didn't have time. And you know when you're wearing a green jersey in camp and practice every day that's not the same thing and so it took a little while in the season for him to trust that I can sit here I can sit here and read and then distribute the ball there's a great example of it in the Florida game which is uh, it's when shade trees being interviewed on the sideline talking about you know how the the rivalry means everything and, and what it means and then they cut away from it and the first play is a delayed release route for cam mcdonald to the sideline and cam ends up making a couple guys miss, and you're in the red zone boom from about midfield and that what that takes is trust in the protection mm-hmm. because you know that, that the release valve is the play they're running clear out so there's no going to be nobody there but that requires you to stand there and wait and wait and wait and then let go of the football things that he was not capable of earlier in the season just because again the instinct was they're not going to be able to hold up for me so i gotta go but you're right also in the second level about the, the receivers. You know, Johnny and Micah are now in the system for a second year. Don't undervalue that because yeah. they're going to know the site adjusts and the concepts. Because how many times did you see this season where Jordan on a play is doing this thing? You know, he's like looking and he's pointing at the guy goes, you should do this and that. So they weren't always on the same page. That should be something that happens a lot less often. But the one thing I'm concerned about, if you're trying to make a case that Jordan is going to be a Heisman candidate, first of all, I think it's the first game of the year. You can't lose it. You can't lose the LSU game. If you lose the LSU game, then he's out. Because this schedule is so damned easy, there aren't enough high-profile games for Florida State. LSU is one of them. Florida's got a really good shot at the end of the season to be a high-profile game. Clemson. Clemson, of course. But then look at this. I mean, Miami, it might be just because it's the brand, but it's certainly not going to be because of the aptitude of the Miami Hurricanes, Boston College, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Duke, Virginia Tech, Pitt. I mean, where are those high-profile games that are going to be on prime time just because it's Florida State versus number 12 so-and-so? That's part of the factor when you're going to be a Heisman candidate is that you're in the spotlight a lot. Fox does it with the Big Ten teams. They always put them at noon, so you're going to be in that that early day prime window. USC is going to be on 8 p.m. every week. I think next year. I mean, there's just no, there's no doubt about it that they were came close enough this year that you know Caleb coming back and whatever he'll be in the driver's seat uh, for the Heisman next season. I just don't know with those opponents that there's going to be enough reps and then enough eyeballs on the TV sets for a guy like Jordan to be able to compete for a Heisman. I think it's more likely that a Trey Benson would compete for a Heisman because you could keep him in as you're trying to assert and then you know, put the final nail on the coffin against your opponent.
1: Yeah, that was the other part of it is that Jordan is up against it in the fact that he's got a guy in his backfield that's going to be possibly a Heisman candidate or a certainly an all-American type running back. And at that point, that'll take away some of the shine. And also, you got to feed that guy. He's a beast. He makes life easier on everybody else. And if Benson's healthy and running strong, as he did in the second half of
0: the season, he's your feature. I mean, Jordan's a great player, but that would be your feature. And, and just put it another way, because because the Heisman is about uh, appearances and, and perception. It's not about reality. Jordan's going to yeah. be the most important player on the offense. There's no doubt about that. He's going to be the most important player sure. on the offense. But if Jordan has an opportunity to put up astronomical numbers, then we are hiring a new defensive coordinator in 2024. It's the only way that that's possible. Well,
1: and that is a question mark and a longer discussion for another day because uh, I think we already have that discussion ongoing. It's a through line on the Jeff Cameron Show (laughs) in which I frequently mention that there are candidates that are available that that I'm just saying we should maybe have a conversation with. It's Jeff Cameron Show. That was Solving for the Future with our friends at ISF. We'll come back and wrap up momentarily. Hang in.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg,
1: The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com. Cameron Show, once again, I want to say a wholehearted, as we did at the beginning of the show, thank you to everybody who contributed and participated in our efforts to aid the Guardian ad litem and their efforts to get toys, and presents, and gift cards to children who are disadvantaged and unfortunate and in sometimes impossibly difficult situations. And now at least momentarily uh, a little infusion of goodness or moments of happiness for them uh, will happen because of your kindness and their efforts. And so I really do appreciate it. And uh, I I try to express that as best I can on a regular basis. Um, And, you know, you're trying to balance that. It's a trick. Like there's a fine line between being effusive and over the top. And, but then it comes across as maybe it's not genuine. I assure you, it is genuine. Uh, me and Tom were both incredibly touched as we sat there and saw you guys walk in last night to District 850. And thanks to them for the, housing the event again this year. It was awesome. And they're great hosts. Um, but as you guys came in, so willing to give uh, and, and and asking what else you can do. And I talked to a lot of people last night. Uh, many of whom I had never met before, by the way. There are a lot of people we knew there, a lot of familiar faces, which is always nice, guys that, guys and gals that help out every year, but also people that uh, I've never met before that just came up and said, hey, I've wanted to come by before. This is the first year I've had a chance to do it. And um, we really think it's great that you're doing this. Well, that's the easy part. You know, we happen to have the megaphone and we're able to get the message out there, but you guys have to do the heavy lifting by showing up, by participating, by giving presents, giving donations, helping the folks at the Guardian Adelaideum who are working hard year round for this cause. So thanks. Thanks again to all of you. We appreciate it. It was a fun night. And I'll be honest, Tom, I didn't think this year would go off as smoothly as it did, partly because our roles have changed since we've last done this and and, and it's gotten, you know, with the transfer portal being a big part of uh, the talking point of the day right now as we build towards signing day and this window closes. It's it's a much more active time of year than it's ever been in the past. And so for the days, at least, at least uh, our work days and workflow of those days, they're really kind of muddied by the information that's coming in Uh, seemingly for a couple of days there hourly of players that are wanting to transfer in and players that we're retaining and information and videos that we got to do. It's great part of our job. It's awesome. And it's been really successful for Florida state, but it's taken up more time this time of year than it had in the past. You couple that with the loss of our dear friend. And I say loss, as in she moved, she's alive and well, everybody, Alicia, um, who did so much work for us. And I want to acknowledge her in this moment um, that I thought, Oh man, Tom and I just, haven't had the time to dedicate to this fully what we should. And part of the reasons I'm paddling on like this that I am is that you guys ended up making it all possible and, and better than ever before. I, I, we, I think they probably exceeded just an eye test here. I'll talk to Deborah later today, but I think they may have exceeded donations and gifts from any previous year. So that was just all on you guys. And so I can't thank you enough. It's awesome. Uh, frequently, when I think about it, it brings a tear to my eye because I just know that uh, once again we depended on you guys and you came through. So uh, there, there are plans in place, uh, and and this is you know we we bitch about technology oftentimes and, and some of the things that it does to distract us, you know, and and I am an old man, you know, fist at the clouds, right? Uh, I, I I am I am fifty one. <laughs> And it hits me often when I get out of bed or when I see my kids staring at their phone and I get frustrated because you're not engaged. Right. But then I think about all the awesome things that technology gives us, this being one of them, right. Podcasts and the ability to shoot video and interact with our listeners better than ever before. Email and the goodness that's there and all those ways by which to communicate. And, uh, And I realized, man, there's something else that happens. We can reach so many more people now. And we talked last night, Tom, and I know you brought this up. You remember after uh, the hurricane, Ian, we were able to do a show and we asked people to contribute on a Friday evening at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. And we were just hanging out and Corey and I were taking questions and asking for donations to be able to donate to the American Red Cross. And one of the ways that that worked was that the American Red Cross is registered with Google as uh, being official right so that you knew all of your donations went there all 100 percent google didn't take any of it war didn't take any of it we didn't take any of it and people felt really comfortable with that and that opened our eyes to the fact that well, we should get more charities on board with this and get them registered and more people who are doing good in the world right and the guardian ad litem is doing really good in the world. Um, and and the, the second judicial district of Tallahassee, Florida, if you will, uh, and, and, and the work that they do for the kids in, here in the surrounding areas. And we talked with them getting on board with this. And Tom, I think it's going to work out. We're going to have an opportunity because a lot of you have asked. This is why I'm bringing it up. And here's where technology is aiding our endeavor. How can we contribute? I want to give directly there. I can't, I'm not in Tallahassee. I'm out of town. I want to be able to help out from afar. Well, when we do that, the next time we do it, I think we're going to have a day leading up to this event or maybe another event in which you can just donate and they will be officially registered with Google in a way that you can just, as you did with the hurricane relief fund. Um, you can just contribute right there from the top, from, from war chance YouTube page and it'll go directly to the guardian ad litem. So more goodness is coming. I wanted to mention that. Uh, I wanted to say uh, a wholehearted thank you and, and all that good stuff. And we had a great time last night. And all of that is, um, it's important. And it gets me in the holiday mood. And I know it gets you in the holiday mood. Uh, and so that's, that's all very well and good. And uh, no show tomorrow. No show on Friday. Tom is traveling to go see his folks. And uh, I'm going to take a couple of days to be with my uh, family as well. And I look very much forward to it. We are going to be back with you on Monday. And I will say this. Tom and I talked about this earlier. As we put the ribbon on the show today, we're gonna have um, the bowl swag segment. <laughs> a lot of people ask about that too. For for as much good as we're doing with charity and trying to do because of you guys and it, with the help of you guys, there's also the goofiness of the show that we have to attend to. And that bowl swag segment is a segment we love to do as well. But we want to do it with the sounders and all the bells and whistles and the things that make it funny uh, and the quips and the liners. So we decided. Monday. Now I know there's a couple of also ran bowls. I say also ran bowls that will take place on Friday, beginning Friday. Uh, And, and so you're saying, well, well, wait a minute, we're going to miss those. Well, we'll circle back. I'll tell you what the fine folks at the uh, hometown lenders Bahamas bowl gave to uh, Miami of Ohio and UAB. I will not gloss over the Duluth trading cure bowl uh, between UTSA and Troy nor will I ignore the Cricket Celebration Bowl, Tom, between Jackson State and North Carolina Central, or the New Mexico Bowl, or the Jimmy Kimmel LA presented by Stifle Bowl. We will circle back to those bowls, sir, and we will tell you uh, what those fine folks got. Uh, these days, it's always it's, it's always fun to kind of figure out, because now you can just straight up pay players. So we always wonder, like, what kind of gifts are they going to give them? Um, so we'll see.
0: Well, you got to justify and write off some expenses if you're a bowl committee to make yourself look more legitimate, even though you're stealing um, if you're members of you know, the high levels of the bowl committee. It's just amazing those salaries that those groups make for a couple of photo ops. I'm sure, though, the bowls that Florida State is tied into with the ACC do none of that, though. I just I don't want to implicate anybody, say, at the Orange Bowl or the Cheez-It Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl or next year for the uh, New Year's six games that we're certainly going to be a part of. I'm sure none of you Correct. do. All I'm saying is maybe for some of these lesser bowls that they've got to write some things off. So whether or not NIL is a thing now, maybe that means they can increase the payout to the kids because I think it used to be somewhere in the neighborhood of four or $500. And that's where the uh, the Orlando bowls, which are always good, they had always pushed the envelope, uh, the, the Citrus Bowl and the old Champs Bowl and now the Cheez-Its Bowl. Both of them are sponsored by cheez It. But remember, they always gave the $400 gift card to Best Buy. Like, they always pushed it to that next level. So Orlando was always a good payday mm-hmm. among the, you know, 30-some-odd bowls that, that we have to consider every year. So, of course, never the bowls that we're going to, just some of these other bowls. they <laughs> got to trim the fat a little bit, make sure that the <laughs> players get a part of the equation. Safe travels, sir. Really quick,
1: I'm going to make mention, you can ride on out of here if you want. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, so I am going to do it really quickly. Uh And I'm not going to, I don't, I'm going to preface this because people get nervous uh, if you, if you bring up uh, potential controversial subjects, this is not even a controversial subject per se. It's an acknowledgement. Uh, It's a, it's a day to commemorate, unfortunately. And I hate saying it that way. It is the anniversary of, it's another thing that feels odd to say, uh, of the slaughter uh, that occurred 10 years ago today, uh, December the 14th, 2012 at Sandy Hook Elementary School Uh, in which 20 children's lives were lost between the ages of 5 and 10. It's breathtaking, even still to say, these days. Six adults as well, many of them teachers, uh, gunned down. And for them, there would be no more birthdays, no graduations, no weddings, and no more Christmases. And yet we still see the continued prevalence of school shootings in in the country. In fact, since the Sandy Hook shooting, there have been more than 3,500 3,500 mass shootings. Again, not going to go on and state the obvious that we, meaning the adults, have failed our children. None of that stuff. You guys already know that. Those numbers tell you that. I am, however, going to note this horrific anniversary and hope that I suppose, as people and as a country, that somehow we can steer away from uh, not debate, debate's good, but the uh, sort of vitriolic divisiveness. That leads to occasional um, uh, confrontation and and, and violence, obviously. And instead, steer more towards love and compassion and a path towards uh, some change. So on this day, this awful anniversary, obviously, I'll say what you're probably thinking to some degree, if you're not screaming at me, Um, tell everybody that you know, that you care about in this world, that you love them. And uh, we'll be back with you on Monday. And I look forward to it. Have a great weekend and uh, be well, everybody.